0: Thanks for checking out this message from Radiant Life Church. Grab your Bible a pad of paper and a pen. Let's dive in. Uh, Before we get into the message, uh, I want to pray again. Um, uh, We need to pray for our pastor uh, who's just been struggling with some illness and um, you know, he was trying to recover from pneumonia, and there's just some other things that are going on, and I want to respect respect his privacy as well. I'm sure he's watching us online right now, uh, but I also know that he believes in the power of prayer, and so I think it's good for us to pray for our pastor. <laughs> Um, at the same time, um, please don't like bombard him this week. Uh, so if you have like messages or cards that you would like to give, if I, I'm not that type of personality, I'm not a card person, but I know some of you are. I appreciate when you guys have given me cards, uh, but please just send those to the church or, or just drop those off at the office. And I promise we'll get those to Pastor Ryan, but there's power in prayer. And so I just, before we even get into the service, I just, I want to lift up my pastor uh, into the Holy of Holies. So Father God, uh, thank you for my friend Ryan, who is also my pastor. And Lord, I just pray that you would strengthen his body um, as he's just fighting the things that he's fighting. Lord, I'm, I'm blown away, like... I don't even know that much about science, but just knowing the depths of a cell in the nucleus, and you see it even farther than that. And so, Lord, you can see what is happening in his body, and I pray that you would just give him physical strength to help fight this. Lord, I lift up Katie to you as well. Lord, I know that she deeply desires to be a a godly wife and mother. And I know that she's trying to support uh, Ryan. And Lord, I just pray that you would give her strength as well to just love on the family. And Lord, I lift up the kids. I lift up uh, Livy, Braden, and Gabby to you. And I just pray for your peace over them that in spite of everything that's happening with their dad, that they can have peace in you. Lord, each one of us, have been absolutely blessed by this family, whether it's directly through Pastor Ryan um, or not, but we've all been affected by him because of the calling and the anointing that you have put on his life. And so, Lord, we just pause... And say, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for the way that you use this man to minister to each one of us. And so, Lord, the the least amount that we could do is now lift him up into your throne room, and we just ask for your holy hands to be all over him. And we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you guys for doing that. So as the Spirit leads you to pray this week, please pray for your pastor. So last week, um, Pastor Ryan taught, and uh, we're kind of looking at these three different concepts of prayer. And so some of you, you have these cards, um, or maybe you took the card and you already threw it away. I'm not judging you, but we do have some extras if you want to pick it up. And so they'll be at the corners of the stage, Um, So, you can pick up one of those after service. And I know there's a stack by the middle set of doors, uh, by the sound booth. But what you'll notice is we had the Lord's Prayer on one side, which we just prayed and recited. And then on the other side, it says inward, outward, and upward. So, Pastor Ryan, um, I thought did a marvelous job of taking us to this inward prayer. And so we left just a little bit of space for you to jot down a thought or two. And just to throw you guys off, we're actually going to do the upward prayer here today. But before we get into the upward prayer, I can't emphasize enough the importance of the inward prayer. So like if there was a stirring that happened inside of you last week, um, please continue to to lean into that. Um, if you just had some feelings of, like you were just kind of like not that you don't love God but you're just kind of stiff arming that idea of like come search me sort of prayer man like just keep wrestling with that keep wrestling with this idea of the inward prayer because the inward prayer is key to the upward prayer but real quickly the moving inward it's this interior transformation This inward prayer is where we allow the presence of God, his Holy Spirit, to just come into the depths of our heart and our soul and to begin to do a work on the inside of us, that transformation. Moving inward is not a dreadful thing, but it's something of immeasurable strength and empowerment. And I think the number one place that we do this inward prayer is in the secret place, So if you're a guest or you have no idea what I'm talking about, we're in this teaching series called More, Practicing the Way of Jesus. And one of the the disciplines or the practices of Jesus is he would often go to a secret place. Now, we've represented the secret place with this chair. But it's not about this particular chair. This is just a representation of your secret place. Like, where do you get alone with God to maybe read your scripture, to worship, and to pray. So the secret place, it's really important. And we're going to continue this idea of the secret place um, through the lens of prayer, and we're going to look at the upward prayer. So here's the the big main theme with the upward prayer, is that upward prayer moves us towards intimacy with God. So first, we have to have that transformation And then it moves into this intimacy with God. So I'm a visual learner. One of the ways that I think about this is like your home. There's multiple rooms within your home. In fact, if someone comes to your house, you might invite them into your living room and sit on your couch or and have a cup of coffee. And if you really like them, you might invite them over for dinner or something, invite them into your kitchen. But you're not going to probably invite them into your bedroom. Because that just gets weird, right? Because that's a special place. You know, especially for the married folks that are in the room. Like, that's a very intimate space with your spouse. And that idea of the inward prayer, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but the idea of confession and repentance. This isn't a bad thing. Like... And I'm I'm kind of fearful, and I've asked the 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 rest of the staff to pray about there. There's this moment where I don't want to cause confusion. Like if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, it doesn't mean that you have to have all your stuff together before you come into relationship with Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. However, as a follower of Jesus, we can grow in our intimacy with Him. But sometimes there's things that are in the way. Right, There are certain things that I'm not going to bring into my bedroom because it will affect the intimacy that I have with my wife. There are certain relationships, there are certain boundaries that I'm putting myself through because I deeply desire to have intimacy with my wife. The same, another word picture is like if you want pure gold, you have to put it through the fire and burn away the impurities in order to get to the pure gold. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. The The fancy term is working through our sanctification. And so we have to have that inward transformation first. Like maybe you've prayed a prayer like, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you deeper but then we just kind of stiff, him, stiff arm him about things that are blocking our intimacy with him. And so we need to be able to lean into that inward prayer and really understand the character of God and know that he wants to come into our hearts and our souls. And he just wants to clean some stuff up because he deeply desires intimacy with us. And so I just I don't want to confuse you that you have to have it all together to come to Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you want to have more intimacy with Jesus, we got to have that inward space of prayer. So I just really wanted to emphasize that before we move on to this upward prayer. So the upward prayer we're going to look at two particular prayers the prayer of rest and the prayer of adoration. But you might be looking at the screen like, "Well, what's meditative prayer and contemplative prayer?" I really wanted to go there, but we just don't have the time or the space to be able to do that here today. And the meditative and contemplative prayer, this is it's it's not going to be for the babies, so to speak. And I don't mean that to like criticize or anything, but at one point we were all baby. Babies and we drank milk we we didn't come out of our moms and start eating steak right away like we had to grow to a certain extent and I would say that the meditative and contemplative prayer is not for a novice and so uh, my encouragement is this week we'll release an episode on radiant reflections where we're going to go a little bit deeper into these prayers so just hold tight on that but we're going to look at the prayer of rest and the prayer of adoration are you guys ready So let's move into our secret space here and let's begin to talk about the prayer of rest. Now, I was studying for a class going towards uh, being a licensed minister within the Wesleyan Church and I had to read a book uh, written by Richard Foster and it has a complicated name called Prayer. And the whole book is about prayer. Prayer. And, like, like I wasn't, like, cocky going into it, but I was confident. It's like, I got a decent prayer life. Like, what am I really going to learn from this book? And then I read the book, and I realized how much I didn't know about prayer. And so you're going to see a whole bunch of quotes from Richard Foster um, all about prayer. And he does use this theme uh, of the inward, the upward, and the outward. And there's a lot of different prayers that line in that. But I'm just going to share uh, you know, a handful of quotes that I think will kind of help support this idea of the prayer of rest. He would define the prayer of rest like this. Through the prayer of rest, God places his children in the eye of the storm. When all around us is chaos and confusion, deep within we know stability and serenity. In the midst of intense personal struggle, we are still and relaxed. While a thousand frustrations seek to distract us, we remain focused and attentive. This is the fruit of the prayer of rest. So this image is actually a picture out of a plane. I have no idea how they did this. In the eye of a hurricane. So I don't have a lot of experience with hurricanes, uh, but I know that they're massive, and I know that they have an eye. Somehow they flew this airplane into the eye of a hurricane, and look at it. Blue skies and sun. But if you were to travel towards those clouds, like there's literally the storm, the devastation, all of the things that are happening within the storm. The prayer of rest, I think, is us not being removed from the storm of life, but that we can have this sense of serenity and peace in the midst of that storm. And I just thought that this was a really cool visual to kind of show that. Because I would imagine that there's at least one person that can hear my voice, that you're smack dab right in the middle of a storm. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to have struggles. I've been very transparent about the struggles that I had and depression and being in what uh, a lot of scholars would call the dark night. But that doesn't mean I love Jesus any less. I'm still passionately in love with Jesus. But it doesn't mean that those things just go away. The psalmist writes in Psalm 62, 1, I'm at rest in God alone, in God alone, in God alone. My salvation comes from him. My rest doesn't come from busyness. My rest doesn't come from consuming things. My rest doesn't come from going from one relationship to another relationship. My rest doesn't come from substance abuse. My rest comes from God alone. And we have to really get our eyes focused on him. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have struggles We're going to have struggles. We're going to have wrestling matches with depression and stuff like that. But God is still good. That doesn't change his character at all. In fact, what we now have as followers of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. If Holy Spirit can raise dead people from the grave, I'm pretty sure Holy Spirit can comfort us in the middle of our storm. Yeah, that's an amen right there. See, Paul, he understood this. He wrote to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. Stop for a second. That word for intercedes in the original language, it means to meet, to approach, petition, intercede, plead for someone. So the Holy Spirit, he's, he's this conduit between us and the Father, and he's interceding, he's pleading on your behalf. Paul continued in verse 27 and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So even with all the stuff that we're wrestling with, all the different things, we can still have rest. And one of the main reasons is because of the Holy Spirit. Now, I couldn't have worded this any better, so I'm just going to use Richard Foster's words on this concept. He says, do you realize what a relief this is? The Holy Spirit of God, the third member of the Trinity himself, accompanies us in our prayers. So when we stumble over our words the spirit straightens out the syntax. When we pray with muddy motives, the spirit purifies the stream. When we see through a glass darkly, the spirit adjusts and focuses what we're asking until it corresponds to the will of God. How awesome is that? I couldn't have worded it any better than that, so I just had to use his words on that. So even if we do have false motives, the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Even if we feel like, man, I can't pray that good. Like, I don't have the words to be able to pray. Like, the Spirit intercedes. And so because of that, we can rest in the work of the Holy Spirit. So in spite of everything that's going on in our life, we can rest in the Holy Spirit. And I would imagine there's some of you like, I'm actually doing that. I have done that. And if anything, I hope that this encourages you that you're doing it. Like, good job. It's not like this something that you're trying to achieve. This is something that you're already doing. And if you're not, I hope this gives you some framework to work with. Now, I don't, want to muddy the waters too much here and start mixing different disciplines. But I think this idea of interceding with Holy Spirit, we've got to put ourselves in an environment of silence and solitude. There's the storm of our life that's happening all around us. And sometimes we just need to quiet the external noise that's happening all around us. Richard Foster would put it like this. In experiences of solitude, we gently press into the Holy of Holies, where we are sifted into the stillness. Painfully, we let go of the vain images of ourselves in charge of everything and everybody. Slowly, we loosen our grip on all those projects that to us seem so significant. Gently, we become more focused and simplified Joyfully we receive the nourishment of heavenly manna. Isn't that beautiful? So I think this I think a lot of the practices or the disciplines they do overlap to one another. So we're talking about prayer in the secret place, but I thought I think we also need to include this in the silence and solitude. But the reality is, like we, most of us have jobs. Like there's things that we we have to clock into or that we have a salary to or a commission to. Like there's things that we have to do. Even if we're at home, like we work at home or you're a parent raising your kids at home. Like there are things that we need to do at home. And so I don't know what that silence and solitude looks like for you. And it may not be as big of a window as what you desire. But even if it's in the workplace, even at the factory, maybe you just get like three minutes of silence and solitude in the bathroom stall because you're ready to flip out on the the floor and it's like you need to just kind of center yourself and find rest. And sometimes you have to do it in a holy place called the bathroom. Oh man! Like I've done that. I uh, there was a season of my life as a young uh, follower of Jesus, and I had a lot of anger issues, and I was really struggling with this one workplace that it was at. I was ready to burn the place down, and it was full of wood, so it made it even easier to burn it down. <laughs> Um, but like I was struggling like crazy and I remember going into the bathroom and I'm just like, God, come on. Like I'm ready to like, I'm just flipping out. And I remember sending a text to a friend of mine that I was in community with and, uh, and then he didn't respond. It's like, well, thanks a lot, jerk. And, uh, I, it was like 45 minutes later, he texted me. He's like, well, I did the best I could do. I drove around the block seven times praying for you and your place. And the last lap, I turned on praise music. <laughs> like, okay, check your heart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, so the Lord used that. Like, I started crying. At, like, I had to use a saw. And like, I just started crying at the saw. Like, I just sobbing and just thanking the Lord for meeting me and softening my heart. And I tell you what, like I I could see the blue sky and the sun in the midst of the storm that I was in. So I just share that as an example to you. Like you can have these moments even in your workplace because here's the warning. Like just because the storm of life is happening, it doesn't mean that we just completely check out. Like we still need to engage the world. We still need to engage the people that are around us. Foster uh, would give the warning like this. He says, total passivity is not the answer either. Resting in God does not mean resignation or idleness it does not mean that we just sit back and hope God will do something. That's a Hindu concept of prayer in which we sink passively into the impersonal and fated will of gods and goddesses. So what I here's another spot that I'm fearful that I'm gonna cause confusion with, and I hope I can clarify this. And if you are confused, I'd love to have that conversation with you after service. Like, like there's moments where we need to have silence and solitude and disconnect from the thing that's happening but that idea of like we don't just resign or we don't just sit still like there's there's times that we do need to sit still and not engage in the thing but that doesn't mean that we just kind of wash our hands of that thing and never deal with it again does that make sense so I, there's there's a little bit of tension in this idea of like withdrawing or centering ourselves with God through the power of Holy Spirit, um, but we also need to be able to engage in the things that are happening around us. I love Psalm forty six ten. I have it in a few different translations. Stop fighting and know that I am God exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The NIV says, be still and know that I'm God. The Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And then later on, when there was more of a Greek culture, they uh, not rewrote it, but they wrote it in Greek. And it says, cease from action. So there, there's times that we just need to cease from what's happening. We need to be still and know that God is God, that he's in control. He rains down on the righteous and the unrighteous, and that we can take our hands off of control. Maybe another word picture to describe this is this thing that we're fighting, it's like we're swimming up a river. We're swimming against the current. And maybe we just need to stop doing that and go with the flow of the current because God's in control of it anyways and we just need to be guided by Holy Spirit. Eugene Peterson, he wrote a paraphrase of the Bible. He worded it like this. Step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics and above everything else. What he's saying is like, we just need to stop with all these other things and we just need to keep our eyes on Jesus. So the prayer of rest is keeping our focus on Jesus and we get that peace and empowerment from Holy Spirit. Amen? So, that is the prayer of rest. And I would imagine for some of you, like, you've experienced the prayer of rest. Like, you, you have pleaded with God. You've, you've sought still in the midst of the storm and you've, you've experienced those things. And I think that's pretty awesome. And if you're in the middle of a storm right now, I hope that this will kind of give you a framework of something to, to shoot uh, towards to experience the rest that's going on in your life. All right, the second prayer. We're going to look at the prayer of adoration. The prayer of adoration is we love God for himself, for his very being, for his radiant joy. Like just for who God is. Uh, There's kind of like two sides of the coin when it comes to adoration. On one side of the coin, there's thanksgiving, and on the other side of the coin, there's praise. Let me unpack that. Thanksgiving is all about what he has done. Like many of you have experienced, like you have a thankful heart because of what God has done in your life, the way that he's healed you, the way that he's restored you, the way that you have found emotional healing and freedom. Like you are so thankful for those things. Praise is simply all about who God is. It has nothing to do with us. It's all about a holy, holy, holy God. Norwegian uh, theologian Ole Helsby words it like this. He says, When I give thanks, my thoughts still circle about myself to some extent. But in praise, my soul ascends to self forgetting adoration, seeing and praising only the majesty and the power of God, his grace and redemption. Isn't that awesome? Like we can be thankful to God, but there is still something about that thankfulness that is circling around us because it's that thing that's happened in our life where God just stepped in and he intervened. And I'm not trying to take away from that. Like I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. Number one, salvation. Salvation. The fact that a broken down selfless dude like me can be in a relationship with the creator of the universe, who's put the breath within my lungs, who knit the DNA that is flowing through my veins, and who knew me before I even took that breath, that is something to be praiseworthy. Now I wanna look at a biblical example of adoration. So if you brought your Bibles, head over to Psalm 145. I'm going to read a couple handful of verses. It's going to be on the screen. But I want you to look as I read this or as you listen. I want you to see if you can see the difference between thanksgiving and praise. Because sometimes I struggle with that concept of praise. I think God gives us words that we can use to give him praise and adoration. So Psalm 145, starting at verse 1. I exalt you, my God, the King, and bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts, and I will declare your greatness. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Oh, I love this part. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great and faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. And all you have made will thank you, Lord. The faithful will bless you. They will speak of the glory of your kingdom and will declare your might, informing all people of your mighty acts and of the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his acts. And the chapter just continues that way. So I'd encourage you to read Psalm 145 this week. Read it multiple times. Read it through multiple English translations and allow that to equip you in the way that you adore God. So Foster would wrap it up like this. He would say, prayer is the human response to the perpetual outpouring of love by which God lays siege to every soul. When our reply to God is most direct of all, it is called adoration. Adoration is a spontaneous yearning of the hearts to worship, honor, magnify, and to bless God. Do you deeply desire to have more intimacy with God? I hope that you would respond yes to that. And so we move from the inward prayer to an upward prayer. And we do these things, Pastor Ryan, he shared this a few weeks ago, like this idea of these disciplines or practices, they're they're environments that we can put ourselves into. Spiritual disciplines are the ecosystems in which the garden of personal transformation grows. I hope that you deeply desire to have transformation in your life. I think that out of the inward prayer and into an upward prayer, that's like a greenhouse, that, like that's an ecosystem. When we begin to practice these type of prayers, our intimacy with God is going to grow. What's again, don't you want more intimacy with your father? And so I would encourage you to put yourself in these ecosystems, these greenhouses. Begin to practice praying. And it's okay if you mess up. The Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. Thanks for listening to this message from Radiant Life Church. To get to know us better, check out the theradiantlife.church. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.